Reading God's word is so rich and so good, and I hope that you never get tired of it and never get tired of hearing it. Uh, for us to be able to come and to worship this morning is such a privilege. It really is. And so this morning as we uh, look at scripture and we dive into understanding peace a little bit more, uh, this week has actually been a, a week for, uh, I think for Rain and I, where, <clears throat> where we've been diving a little bit more into saying, God, we, we seek your peace uh, as, we, uh, as we make this move from one house to another. And if you would like to help us move, <laughs> who likes to do that? Uh, but if you would like to help us move, I have a sign-up sheet in the back for Friday. So we're packing up on Friday, and then we get our new place on Saturday. And so if you're able to help pack up on Friday or help us unpack on Saturday, there's a sheet out, uh, clipboard out by the um, nursery on the table that's out there. If you put your name down and contact, and I will organize us all, and then hopefully we can get us moved. That'd be great. Uh, we're busily packing out of boxes. We're, I think we're starting to live out of boxes now and suitcases, so that's a good sign. <clears throat> well, there was a, it was a time where... Um, where I'd receive a phone call during, it could be during the day. Uh, sometimes this phone call would come uh, at night, sometimes midday. I didn't really know when it would come, but it would come often. And uh, when I picked up the phone, oftentimes there was nothing on the other end for a minute or two, and then I would hear breathing, kind of heavy breathing. No, it wasn't a prank call. It was one of our, uh, it was one of our youth leaders, and she was having a panic attack, and I'd get these calls. And I'd sit with her for a while, and I would just let her calm down, and then I would ask her if, it was some, if she needed my wife and I to come over, or if she just needed somebody to pray with. And, um, and then she would tell us. She, was ex she experienced some, some trauma when she was a little girl, and there were times that this trauma was so overwhelming for her that she had these panic attacks. Perhaps in some way you can relate to this, I don't know. Maybe you've experienced panic attack, maybe you haven't, but maybe you have had this overwhelming feeling of, of worry come over you. Whatever your level of worry has been as a Christian, I think that there can be guilt associated with feeling worry or having worry or having anxiety in our lives. I mean, isn't it Paul who said, be anxious for nothing? Or in another translation, don't worry about anything? I mean, it, how does that work? I mean, and then he says that, that, that you are to experience this overwhelming peace, this mind-blowing peace. So I've entitled my message, The Overwhelming Peace, and I believe that, um, I believe that, that we would love to live in this overwhelming peace. But if you are like me, oftentimes worry creeps in and it begins to steal my peace. And not experiencing this peace, you maybe can wonder, what's wrong with me? I mean, as a good Christian, shouldn't I be able to stay in this peace? Instead, Anxiety happens and worry gets into our heads. But the truth is, is that no matter who you are, 
you will experience times where peace is not there and worry and anxiety is part of your life. If you follow anything in the news or you read anything, you'll know that in the Western world that the leading mental health issue among young people is anxiety. They figure that 31% of adults will develop some type of anxiety disorder at some point in their life. And this disorder can be anything from generalized anxiety disorder to panic disorders or obsessive compulsive disorder or post-traumatic stress disorder or just a phobia. So what I'm saying is this, is that for both those who follow Jesus and those who don't, worry is common. And so if you worry or have anxiety, I want you to know that you're in good company. You're actually sitting next to somebody who worries. I worry. I will share a little bit about that. But yeah, it's true. So how do we reconcile this? What do we, what do, we do? Well, first of all, I think it is good to recognize that someone who we've been singing about today and someone in which we look at as our Savior and our Lord, he experienced these things. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn and you can look at Mark chapter 14. And I'm going to read it from the message. I put it up here, but you can look at it in your Bibles as well. But listen to how Mark describes Jesus and how Jesus describes himself here. And I, and I like the way Eugene Peterson put it um, in his paraphrase. And so it's this. They came to the area of Gethsemane, and Jesus told his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he sank into a pit of suffocating darkness. And he told them, I feel bad enough right now to die. Stay here and keep vigil with me. If you look at this from, a, from a, just a point on the, on the human side, because he was, he was feel, feel, fully you and I, human. Jesus had this moment because he knew what he was facing and there was, there was a lot of anxiety that was here. There was a lot of struggle that he was having at this point. And he prays and he asks God, God, would you show me the way? And if there's any way that you can take this cup from me, please do so. So these words I see give me some comfort because my Savior, my Lord, in a tough situation, he was, as, as Eugene writes here, that he sank into a pit of suffocating darkness. He felt like, right now, I could die. And if you've ever had worry, if you've ever had anxiety, you, to a great degree, you know what he's talking about here. So, in an article I read uh, called Soul, Soul Shepherding, they said, we also feel anxiety with trauma, with spiritual warfare, with abuse, with sin, either sin we have done or sin that does done against us. Other reasons for anxiety include stress disorder or stress overload, conflict in relationship, and health problems. Really, what it's saying is that life can be wrought with anxiety and worry. So, where do we go from here? Well, I think it's important that we look and understand uh, 
what, what or where peace comes from. So in Isaiah 9, 6, which is, was read to us, and again, going back to that passage in Isaiah, we, we have here where Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. Some time ago, I was, um, I was trying to deal with an issue with a, uh, a, a bill that I had, and uh, there was a mistake on it, and so I called the service provider up, and I got, a, I got somebody on the phone, and I started talking, and I couldn't understand what they were saying. So I just politely said, hey, I can't quite understand what you're saying, and, uh, and I'm just going to hang up and find somebody else. So I hung up, and I phoned again, and I got somebody else, and again, I couldn't understand what they were saying. So I just politely said, hey, I, you know, this isn't you, it's just me, I can't understand, and I hung up. It took four phone calls. And finally, I got this guy, and I could understand what he was saying. It was fantastic. We talked about my problem, and we were able to resolve the problem. And you know what? They, at the end of the time, they say to you, is there anything else I can do for you? And I said, well, actually, I would like to tell you that this is my fourth phone call before I finally got somebody that I could understand, and I just appreciate that I can understand what you're saying. And he said, well, thank you for telling me that. He says, I am the head of this department. And he says, I'm the one that's involved in training the people. And I said, well, hopefully this was helpful for you and, and that. And I hung up the phone. And I thought, wow, I knew that my issue was going to be resolved because I got the guy. <laughs> I got the top guy right there. And where I'm going with this is this, is when we read these words that for unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. He is the, he is the top guy. He's the chief priest. He's the chief of peace. That's who Jesus is. He is the chief of peace. When we deal with Jesus, we're dealing with the real peace. And we need to recognize that Jesus is peace. When we come to Jesus, we access peace. Peace is not something that you and I will try to conjure up. We, we may try to conjure it up, but we should not be looking at it that way. That if we say the right things and we do the right things, that, that we're going to have this peace. Peace is Christ. If we want peace, then we need to know the one who is peace, and that is Jesus. That is why oftentimes I say it's so important that you and I, what it, we, we understand what it means to practice being in the presence of God. Because practicing being in the presence of God is where we find peace. So we also read this morning Luke chapter 2. And I, and I want to center around that part in Luke 2 where the angels, the multitude, the heavenly host, and they're, they're, they're praising God and they're saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. It's interesting that this is a herald as Jesus is born. 
It's here that the angels are saying, now on earth, peace is with those who have favor with God. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He offers peace to us. And again, it's not something that you and I need to come up with. It's something that you and I receive. And I think another way to say it is that, that when Jesus was born, peace was born. Peace was born. Where I'm going is this, is looking to answer the question, how do I find peace? How do you find peace? How do we rest in peace? I think this is a question that our world is asking, especially now. Where are we going to find peace? Where will that come from? Well, Jesus, in John chapter 14, shares that with us. And when you read these verses, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. So if you go back just a little bit to verse 25... And and interesting, just on a side note, that when you look at this, if you look, starting in verse 15 of chapter 14, and you go to the middle of uh, uh, chapter 15, there are are three attributes that are mentioned here in 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 John chapter 14. There There is love, there is peace, and there is joy. Interesting, within these few verses here, love, peace, and joy are mentioned. And they surround the aspect of the Holy Spirit. And so so Jesus says this. He says in verse 25, all this I have spoken to you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said. Peace I leave with you, Peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Our world wants peace. There are phone calls that are made. There is negotiation and deals that are, that are trying to be had to bring peace. Treaties will be signed. And the, the outcome is the hope that, that peace will be there. But peace rarely stays. It rarely happens for a long period of time. Yet Jesus here is saying that he is the eternal source of peace. And when we seek peace through the Holy Spirit, there is eternal consequences. So it's here that that the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, that we are going to learn how to engage with peace. We're told to walk in the Spirit. We're told that the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace. So it's, how do we have peace? It's through the Holy Spirit. And it's through having the Holy Spirit teach us. I need to learn God's peace, not my peace. It's not my conjuring up peace and doing what I need to do so that I have peace. It's resting in him. He is the peace. He is the peace, not me. And too many times I try to muster up that peace, that love, that joy, 
for my own means. And there's no doubt that, that, that we can love people around us. We can show joy and we can have peace. But it seems to me that my peace doesn't seem to quite go where I want it to go and the depth that it needs to go into the very heart of who I am. I'm looking for that peace. And that peace is found in Jesus Christ. And it's through the advocate, the Holy Spirit. And so if you know Jesus, you know peace. So what keeps us? What is it that keeps us from engaging and staying in this peace? I, I don't know if I know of any believer that is constantly living in this peace. We've seemed to flow in and out of it. My life, that's the way it is. And I think it's that way for you, too, according to our circumstances. And sometimes we get blindsided by something and just everything goes out the window. So what is it? What are some of the things that keep us from living in this peace that God, that Jesus has given us, that he has left with us? Well, I think one thing is this. There is the outcome, outcome control. When I begin to look at the future and I begin to worry about what's going to take place, I will then, if I, if I think that something isn't going to go right, I try to control the outcome. And I try to control people. And I should be smart enough, and we should be smart enough to know that, that we can't control outcome, nor can we control people, but we try to. And when it seems like it's not going the way that we want it to go, anxiety and worry tend to creep up even more in our life. The more we look to control situations and people, the more anxiety and worry creep into our life. And so one of the issues we have is that we try to control the outcome of the things around us. I don't really know what tomorrow will bring, but I do know that there's a God who does know tomorrow. Secondly, is that there is worry deceit. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, do you know that 91%, 91% of the things that you worry about never come to pass? And 9% obviously do. And so you can say, hey, that's where I, you know, just in case. But here's the thing, here's the rub, is that, is that, is that what happens is, is that we get caught up in we believing that if we were worrying about something that's going to take place, it's actually going to help us. And one article I read suggested that we do this because we, we, we believe that worry is a value to us in coping. It's a coping mechanism, and, and there's value to it. And, and we believe that if we, could, if we worry, or we, it'll help us spot and prevent any true threat or avoiding blindsides. But the truth is that it doesn't. And so think about the things that you are worrying about now, or maybe think about what you were worrying about a few months ago, and then you know, what has come to pass? What is the reality of that? Could you say that 91% of the things that you worried about in the last month actually haven't happened? So I think that there is this deceit that happens with worry, thinking that if we worry about something, we'll be able to prevent something, and it's not true. <clears throat> 
The last part is that there's a lack of surrender. A lack of surrender. I think that we worry because we've held on to the past or we hold on to an unknown future. And as we hold on to these things, they create rooms in us, rooms that we try to control, rooms that we don't want anybody to know about. And they prevent us from living this abundant life that Christ offers. And when I don't recognize that I'm holding on to these things, I'm closing this door and I'm not allowing God to unlock it and to see it, worry and anxiety begin to control us. And there are times that we have things in our past and we have these rooms that, that we actually need help. We need help to go into those rooms and to look at what's in there and to surrender. There are times we need that. So what is the solution in this? Well, I think the first one is, and they go together, the first one is to abandon outcomes to God. When I can begin to abandon my outcomes of my life and my world, when I'm able to surrender that to God and realize that and admit that I don't have the ability, the strength, the wit to determine what is best or what the right outcome is, but believe that only God can. Dallas Willard calls this abandon outcomes to God and it's accepting that we do not have in and of ourselves, our own, within our own heart, our soul, our, our mind, and our strength, the wherewithal to make this come out right, whatever this is. We don't try to make things happen. We don't try to get people to do things. We don't manage our image. We learn to abandon outcomes in Jesus' easy yoke. It is a secret of peace. I find this hard. Do you not? To abandon an outcome of a situation. It is so hard to do. Yet, I love what Dallas says about this. He goes on to say, he says, Dallas explains that, that when we learn to abandon outcomes to God, we not only experience contentment, but also the opportunity for intelligent, energetic, participation in God's will in our world. Isn't that cool? That when we're able to abandon outcomes, we are now able to participate in what God is doing in this world. It is not easy, but it is the call that God has on us. Where is peace found? It's not found in me. It's not found in trying to control my outcome. It's found in resting that God is in control from beginning to end. He is in control. What did God say? Well, okay, I don't need to ask you this. <clears throat> God said this to Job. He says, Job, who commands the waves to say you can go this far and no further? It is God. 
is God is the one who says, this wave can go here and no further. He's the one that commands us. He is in control of all things. And so to be in his presence and to trust him begins that I will abandon. I will abandon the need to control the outcome and trust him. I think that the second part of that is to surrender rooms. That when I see in my life that I have these rooms, rooms of regret, rooms of shame, rooms of sexuality, rooms of anger, rooms of unforgiveness, that when I, when I can begin to allow God to, to go into those rooms, and as I say, sometimes it takes some help. You need some counseling to get there. But to allow God to go into these rooms, I begin to find peace. My burdens will no longer chain me to the unrest. And I surrender these rooms and I allow God to be in my presence. They no longer hold me. There's a poem by Margaret Halaska. She's written a poem called Covenant. I was listening to John Ortberg the other day, and he read this poem, and I thought, ah, this is good. So I want to read it to you. I printed some off. You can find them uh, out in the foyer uh, on the little coffee table out there if you'd like to grab one. But this is the way it goes. God knocks at my door, seeking a home for his son. Rent is cheap, I say. I don't want to rent. I want to buy, says God. I'm not sure if I want to sell, but you might want to come in and look around. I think I will, says God. I might let you have a room or two. I like it, says God. I'll take the two. You might decide to give me more someday. I can wait, says God. I'd like to give you more, but it's a bit difficult. I need some space for me. I know, says God. I'll wait. I like what I see. Hmm. Maybe I can let you have another room. I really don't need that much. Thanks, says God. I'll take it. I like what I see. I'd like to give you the whole house, but I'm not sure. Think on it, says God. I wouldn't put you out. Your house would be mine and my son would live in it. You'd have more space than you've ever had before. I don't understand at all. I know, says God. But I can't tell you about it. You have to discover it for yourself. That can happen if you let me have the whole house. A bit risky, I say. Yes, says God, but try me. I'm not sure. I'll let you know. I can wait, says God. I like what I see. I want to close with three invitations before we move to communion. As I try to do 
and say to you that the invitations are exactly that, something that you can choose to dive into or not. Because I don't want it to be just a message in which you go, okay, that was good, yeah, I need to surrender. How do I do that? Well, one of the invitations that I want to give you, and these are on a sheet back in the back, you can pick them up as well, is to write a list. This week, I have been doing that. I can show you my list on my phone. And every time I begin to worry, I put down what I'm worrying about. I write it down. And then I express what it is that I'm concerned or worried about. This is what I'm worrying about. And then I write, what is the reality? What's the actual reality then? And I put that down. And then I pray a prayer of surrender. And I've gone back to my list this week a few times. It's like, oh my goodness, we're moving. We're buying a house. Can I really afford this house? I don't know if I can afford this house. I said I could. They said I could. But I don't know if I can. And worry is there. And I've had to go back to that. The second one is to surrender a room. To name a room. Just one. Surrender to God. Not a room for him to rent, but for a room for him to have. And so each day you may wake up and you may just simply pray a prayer, a prayer that goes something like this. Today, Father, I start my day as I surrender blank room. I seek your strength and your help to resist the temptation to take control of blank room. Amen. It's something tangible. It's something purposeful that I will do. A second is a prayer of surrender. Yeah, I'm encouraging you to pray the same prayer often. I've said this before. We sing songs. These songs are prayers, and we do them often. When we read the Psalms, they're Psalms of prayer, and we do it often. So having a prayer that you pray is not going to throw God off at all. It's a great way to remind you of where you want to be with him. So a prayer of surrender could be simply, I've given three examples on the sheet of paper. I'm going to read you one. It's the first one. It's the shortest one. And it could simply be this. I surrender to you, Father, the tender care of my body, my mind, my soul, and my whole life by relinquishing worry over the things I cannot control. And to remember that and to pray that whenever worry begins to creep in and you say, I'm here to surrender. You know, I, I want to say that I'm not trying to simplify this. Worry, anxiety is real. It's difficult. There are times in our lives that there is medication for that, and we need that, and there's nothing wrong with that. But there's also this part of us surrendering to God in the midst of all that we have going on in our lives, where the peace is not us. God isn't calling us to be peace. He says, engage with me, for I am peace. He is the prince of peace. And that's where, knowing him, we know peace in his presence. So we come to the communion table. And the communion table is that, is that example. It is that part of, we're remembering that Christ gave his life for us to be prince of peace. That he suffered 
And so as we engage this morning and we hold this bread, it's representing that, that he, was, he was God who came in flesh. He himself was wrought with anxiety as he had to face the cross. But he endured the cross, despising his shame, because you are his joy. And as you hold that bread in your hand, remember that it is he who came for you, for his church, his bride. And as you hold that cup, he spilt his blood to redeem us from our sins and restore us to who he's called us to be. He is the Prince of Peace. So I'm going to ask our students to come. And this morning what we're going to do is, uh, I will try to not make it as difficult as I did last time. Uh, We're going to pass out the bread and you'll hold that and then we'll take that together and then we'll pass out the cup and you'll hold that and we'll take that together. So 